All right, all right. Good morning. My name is Liz, and I'm one of the pastors here at Hope. If I have yet to meet you, I would love to meet you after service. And happy Mother's Day. Woo! Today is a day that we celebrate all types of mothers. It's a day of joy. And I'd also like to say that today can also be a day of sorrow. And there could be a lot of complicated feelings around Mother's Day, and that's a reality for many of us in the room. It's a day where maybe we don't want to go on social media because all the posts that are being made. It's a day that maybe some of you guys weren't sure that you wanted to come to church today or tune in online, and I just want to say I'm so glad that you made it to your seat, and we see you. And in the middle of the joy that comes with the day and the sorrow that comes with today, I'd like to make a suggestion that I think joy and sorrow hold hands. They hold hands. And my prayer is that we would find time to notice today in the midst of complicated feelings that they do. So I'm gonna ask you guys to actually hold your hands like this in your lap for a second as a symbol of the joy and the sorrow. And I wanna acknowledge all the different types of moms where that joy and sorrow merge. The moms who have a precious baby that they are holding in their arms to the mom who might not hear from their child today. The mom whose sweet babies are in heaven or the woman whose mom is no longer on earth and in heaven. The woman whose heart desire was to be a mom and that never came to fruition and the woman whose heart desire is to become a mom and they are currently navigating the ups and the downs of an infertility journey. The grandmas and great grandmas to the spiritual moms and the mothers of the church. We need all of you. The stepmoms, the foster moms, the adoptive moms, the single moms, the widowed moms, the working moms, and the list goes on and on. And so with our hands together, I just want us to take a moment, and we're going to just enter into some spaciousness and invite God to meet us in the midst of the feelings that today might bring us. So pray with me. God, we acknowledge that we all have come from a womb and that you are the giver of all of life and also, God, that that can come with these complicated feelings. So I pray right now as joy and sorrow hold hands that you would meet us exactly where we're at. You know our stories and our circumstances. So may your presence be real to us on this day. May your intimacy meet us. And it's in your mighty and gracious name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for doing that. 
with me before we jump into the sermon for today. And I'd like to start by sharing a little bit of a poem. And this poem is titled Fire by Judy Brown. And this poem talks about what makes a fire burn is the space between the logs, a breathing space. Too many logs packed in too tight can douse the flames almost as surely as a pail of water would. So building fires requires attention to the spaces in between just as much as the wood. And so today we're going to talk about the space, the spaciousness in between. And we've been navigating through the book of Luke in a series called Luke, Jesus for Everyone. And the last two weeks we talked about the story of Jesus restoring and healing a leper. And in between that story and the next, there's one verse, the in-between. And that one verse is what we're going to be talking about today. And it's found in Luke 5, 16, and it reads this. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus even needed the space in between, going from one thing to the next, to breathe and go be with the Father. And when we see here in the text, lonely places, it's mentioned in several of the other gospel accounts as a desolate place or a solitude place. And for today and for this message, we're going to call it the secret place, the secret place. And I'm going to define the secret place here. And the secret place is an invitation to what we see on the screen as these four different things. The secret place is a place where God is waiting for us, a place of rest. It's an invitation to a place of preparation in a place within us. And we get this, these four things because all throughout the gospel, when we see Jesus retreating and withdrawing to this place, how often? It says often. These are some of the things that he interacts with God and gets from this place. In fact, there's almost over, actually a little bit over 20 places in the, in the gospel accounts where Jesus withdraws to pray. So just as much as him healing people, teaching people, this is an act that he is doing. One of my favorite things about Jesus is that he embodies everything that he invites us into. He embodies everything he invites us into. So him getting to the secret place is something he wants to invite us into as well. And here's several verses that we know it's so important. Luke 4, after Jesus was baptized, he's spent 40 days praying in the wilderness. Luke 6, 12, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Luke 9, 28, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter John and James with him and went up to the mountain to pray. 
Luke 22, 39, 41. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his, with his disciples, and they followed him. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and knelt down to pray. Now, that's just Luke. John 6, 15. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself to pray. Mark 1, 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Mark 6, 46, after leaving them, he went up to the mountainside to pray. Matthew 14, 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Matthew 26, 36, when Jesus went with his followers to a place called Gethsemane, he said to them, sit here while I go there and pray. Okay, that's just some. At first, I had the whole list. I was like, that's overwhelming. <laughs> Take it easy, Liz. But if Jesus got to the secret place this frequently, how much more do we need to go be with the Father and get to the secret place? So first, the secret place is an invitation to a place where God is waiting for us. It's an invitation to a place where God is waiting for us. And I love this quote by John Ortberg. He says, the story of the Bible isn't primarily about desire of people to be with God. It's about the desire of God to be with people. It's not about our desire to be with God. It's about his desire to be with us. And if you're like me and you have an imaginative brain, sometimes when I'm going to spend time with God, I can sometimes picture God going, well, it's about time you showed up. <laughs> but I don't think that that's the case. And this quote is saying that, right? This quote is saying, God is like, yes, I'm so happy you're here. His desire to be with us is greater than our desire to be with him. In 2010, I uh, was living in Kenya, and shortly after I got there, I had a flare-up of an autoimmune disease that I have that actually um, admitted me into the hospital for a couple of weeks. And while I was in the hospital, this hospital was actually supposed to be a place that we ministered alongside the chaplains with one day a week. And now I was the one being ministered to. The tables had turned. And there was a chaplain, Pastor John, still a good friend of mine today, a Kenyan pastor. And he would come door to door and he would crack open the door, especially on busy days, and he would say three words to me. And he'd crack open the door, and he'd, he'd make sure I had his, his attention, and he said, intimacy before ministry. <laughs> and then he closed the door. <laughs> and then the next day, he'd come in, and he'd say, intimacy before ministry. And as I was laying there in bed, there was no TV in my hospital room. We didn't have, I didn't have phones. In fact, if I wanted to communicate with my parents about my condition, I had to have a friend go find an internet cafe to go write my parents and tell them that I was doing okay, terrifying for them. And so I was just in a bed in a hospital room having these three words being spoken over me, intimacy before ministry. 
And during that time, what I realized, what I, was, what I thought I was going to do was to go do great things for God overseas. And in that moment, God was inviting me to be with him and say, can we go do them together? Can we do this, do great things together? Can you do it with me? He was already there waiting for me and inviting me. This is a one-on-one -on -one relationship type of God. And if you've ever had any type of new relationships forming, there's an awkward period to it. I don't know if you've ever attempted to have some type of quiet time or even just any kind of conversation with God where you're also opening your ears to listen to him. But there's a little bit of, is this silly? And the more we do it, the more we learn his voice, the more we learn what he's all about, we recognize, oh, it's not so silly at all. Teresa of Avila says this, she says, for prayer is nothing else than being on terms of friendship with God. Friendship. There's no formula of how to arrive to the secret place. In fact, if you're saying, I don't know, it's probably the best place to start. I'm here, God. God, help me to connect with you. And as you do this, as you spend time in this secret place, this is where the garden is restored. This is where Jesus begins to walk with you and have conversation with you. I don't know if there's any checklist kind of people in here, but sometimes we can look at this secret place as a checklist kind of place. Well, I spent my time with Jesus and I'm moving on. And sometimes we can look at it as I spent my time with Jesus and now I maybe deserve something or I'm gonna get some sort of like favor in return because I did this. The secret place is not transactional. The secret place is relational. And the promise of the secret place and what you get in the secret place is Jesus and his presence. It's Jesus and his presence. So if you go to spend some time with God, if this is new or if you're like me sometimes, I get quiet and I'm like, God, I'm here. And then there's this other voice that usually pops up. And it's because I'm so distracted. The voice sometimes sounds like, why can't you just quiet your thoughts? Why are you thinking about all these other things? Why are you thinking about what you have to do? You shouldn't think like this. You're trying to spend time with God. The voice of accusation is not the voice of Jesus. So if you get into the quiet place and you are hearing that voice, simply allow the distractions that are coming into your mind come and then go. And remember this, the voice of Jesus is one that affirms and that is gentle and that is full of love. There's a paraphrase of Thomas Keating. He writes, if your mind gets distracted a thousand times in 10 minutes of silent prayer, it's a thousand opportunities to come back to the loving presence of Jesus.
the loving presence of Jesus. And when we come to Jesus, we can bring anything. He can handle anything. He can handle our grumblings and our groanings, and we can come to him just as we are. And one of the ways that I actually learned about this was from my grandma. And you guys have heard me share about my grandma a few times. And my grandma's first language is definitely not English, and she goes to a Korean church, and she prays in Korean. And my grandma on the backside of her, clo- her, her room has a walk-in closet with a mat that she rolls out, and she kneels down, and she follows the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says to go into your room, shut the door, and pray in the secret place. So she takes that very seriously. And so every day she goes into her walk-in closet and rolls out that mat, and she goes and she prays in her closet. And while she's in the closet, she thinks the doors are closed, but the whole house can still hear her. And so as a kid, and my, we're, we're being watched by my grandma, and we're hanging out in the living room, we can hear her having this conversation with God. And my grandma couldn't teach me much about navigating the ins and ups and downs of heartbreak in junior high in the USA, but my grandma taught me through the sounds of her prayers. She taught me through the sounds of her prayers that I didn't even understand. And it became clear to me as I was in her house listening to her prayers that she clearly knew God and he clearly knew her. And the sounds of her prayers invited me into this curiosity of who is this God? There was a conversation that was real, that was definitely happening there, where she was coming to him as his daughter, and he was speaking her identity over her, and they were working things out. The secret place is a place where God is waiting for us. And my grandma definitely knew that. Second, the secret place is an invitation to a place of rest. It's an invitation to a place of rest. Jesus' words in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It doesn't say, come to me, all you who are perfect and put together, all you who are strong and burdenless. This is an invitation for the weary and burdened in the room to not just find rest, but to find rest for your souls. Doesn't that sound refreshing? Rest for your souls. And so... Some of you might be saying, Liz, that's impossible. You don't know what I have going on week to week. You don't know my circumstances. I don't have time to just go to the secret place and find rest for my soul. But what I love about Jesus is he had crowds of hundreds of people following him wanting healing, wanting teaching, wanting to learn, and he still left and went to go be with the Father. 
He didn't have a rhythm that responded to the crisis in front of him. He had a rhythm instead that demonstrated the humility to walk away. To walk away. And totally, Jesus was fully God. He could have just stirred up all the strength that he needed to stay out there 24-7 and heal every single person. But we also know that he was fully man. In Mark 6, 31, it says, Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, they, as Jesus and his disciples, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Jesus and his disciples got hungry. <laughs> and Jesus said, We got it. Let's go rest together. And he had the discernment all throughout the gospel accounts of knowing when his assignment was to heal and to stay and when he could also retreat from the crisis to go be instead with the Father. There's another Cove pastor on the East Coast, and he says it like this. He says, had Jesus not pulled his disciples away to rest, they would have either died of exhaustion, quit following him, or ended up addicted to their work. Three real temptations we all face today. They would have ended up dead, quit, or addicted. Yikes. Jesus had the ability to say, we need to go to the secret place to rest. Mother Teresa said, prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God. Putting oneself in the hands of God. So this is us having the humility to realize that the world is going to go on, everything's going to be okay, and we could take a step away to go be with God. I struggle with this one the most. I struggle with this one the most. Because rest requires humility. And rest requires humility and, and it invites God to do what only he can do. And so maybe you're thinking, still, this all sounds great about the secret place. I'd love to get rest for my soul. I'd love to go to a place where God is waiting for me. It still seems really hard because I can't be like your grandma and spend hours a day in a closet, Liz. <laughs> But I love to share the story of Susanna Wesley with all of you. Susanna Wesley was a mom of 19 children. Yeah, let me tell you. Her husband was kind of a bum of a husband and a father, and he was in and out of prison and in and out of the house, so didn't really provide much help to her. And nine out of her 19 children actually died in infancy. So here she was as practically a single mom of 10 in the middle of her own grief in life. How in the world is she going to find time to go to the secret place? Especially in the middle of milking cows and gardening and schooling kids and taking care of the house. So she came up with this idea, and her idea was this. Her idea was, kids, every single time 
You see me pull this apron over my head. This is a sign to you that I am going to the secret place. This is my do not disturb sign. And whether it was for seconds or minutes of a day, she would pull her apron over her head and her kids would know in that moment, mom is in the secret place. Mom is with the father. Now, what I love about Susanna is she never preached a sermon. She never planted a church. She never wrote a book. But she demonstrated something to her kids that changed the entire Christian faith. Her two sons, you might have heard their names, John Wesley and Charles Wesley, were revivalists that it's actually accredited to Susanna as being the mother of the Methodist tradition. John, by the end of his life, would have preached the gospel to over millions of people and started several churches. Charles, at the end of his life, would have written 9,000 hymns, some of which we still sing in church today. These are Susanna's boys. The secret place is an invitation to rest, even if it's just a moment with an apron over your head. Third is a secret place is an invitation to a place of preparation. We see Jesus was strengthened and delivered in the secret place. Nights before he went to the cross, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he worked some real things out in the secret place. And he was strengthened for the assignment of the cross that was ahead of him. So much so that while he was hanging on the cross, he was able to offer forgiveness. That's a lot of strength. He was able, as he was hanging there, to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's strength. He received from the secret place. The secret place not only strengthens us, but it delivers us. Let's read this Psalm, Psalm 32, 6 through 8, and it says, Let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. He's waiting for us. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Okay, pause. Heavenly songs of deliverance are sung over you in the hiding place. And then after deliverance, the next verses say, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. The secret place delivers us and then prepares us for the next assignment that God is laying out for us. Now, speaking of the hiding place, there's a very popular book called The Hiding Place that many people are familiar with by Corrie ten Boom. She was a Dutch woman who hid Jewish people during the Holocaust in World War II. 
And she says this, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? The secret place is a steering wheel which guides and directs us. Not necessarily a spare tire that just reacts. The secret place is a place of preparation. And lastly, the secret place is an invitation to a place that is found within us. That is found within us. Colossians 1.27 says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I got to read that again. It's so good. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery's revealed, it's not so secret anymore. The secret place is accessible anywhere because Christ in you, the hope of glory. And yes, absolutely, there's gonna be times where we have an actual meeting place. Like my grandma with her closet, I have a chair in my backyard when it's not hot that I sit in every morning. There are actual physical meeting places to go and spend time with Jesus. But other times, it's as simple as just turning your heart and your attention to Jesus wherever you're at and whatever you're doing because Christ in you, the hope of glory. The first church internship I did in 2008, there was four of us college-age students and we got handed this book the Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It was the first Christian book outside of the Bible that I had ever got told, hey, read this. And so I was like, okay. It's a really small book, pick it up. And what I loved about this, and yes, Brother Lawrence is a monk in Paris in a monastery, so his whole life is formed around having communion with God. But there was one particular scene. He was doing the dishes. And it stuck with me. He was doing the dishes, and all of a sudden, he began to experience the glory of God while he was doing something ordinary and mundane and repetitive. And he wrote about it. And I began to think, what does that even look like? What does that even look like to experience Christ within me and Christ with me in the mundane, in the ordinary And it's this, it's that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This last picture on this slide is of a national park in Israel. It's called Gan Hashlosha. It's beautiful. It looks like a secret place, doesn't it? This park is in the middle of a very barren, desolate desert. And all of a sudden, you pull up and you see this. So much so that rabbis in that area have said, this must be the Garden of Eden, because it's so dang beautiful. 
And what I love about this is not that it just looks like a secret place, but it doesn't rely on the rain year-round or to fill it. It's fueled by something within. It's a natural spring that navigates through the desert and through the desolate place. And so it doesn't matter if the country of Israel is in a drought season or it is constantly flourishing. It is steady. My prayer is that our souls would look like this national park. That it doesn't matter what season that we're in, but in the middle of a dry and barren desert type season, that there is a stream of life that is from within us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That this stream of life will fuel and fill and nourish us for the flourishing, for the flourishing of the ecosystem around it. This is the power of the Holy Spirit within us that is given to those who have said yes to relationship with Jesus. This is the secret place. It's an invitation to a place that is found within us. And so as the worship team comes, what would it look like for our souls to look like this? What it, would it look like for you to turn your attention to Jesus and say, is this really true, Christ in me, the hope of glory? What would it look like for you to visit the secret place, to make space for the in-between of the logs, where the spaciousness leaves room for God's graciousness? What would it look like for you to enter into the secret place to a God that's like, yes, I've been waiting for you? Or a God who's like, oh, I'm so excited to rest with you. Let's rest. Or a God who's like, I'm going to strengthen and deliver you and prepare you for what's next. My prayer is that this week, whether it's only an apron moment, that we would find time to enter the secret place because there's an invitation for each of us waiting there. Let me pray. God, would you, would you minister to us right now? Would you stir up within us, Jesus? Maybe there's fears in approaching the secret place because it's new or different, or maybe it's just felt like a checkmark type of thing for us for a long time. I pray, Jesus, that there would be something revived in our time with you. In this Mother's Day, as joy and sorrow hold hands, as we find the space in between, that the secret place would invite us, Jesus, into seeing you as a God who desires to be with us, who's been waiting for us, who provides rest for our souls, who prepares us, and also that we would find opportunities to turn our hearts towards you.
that you are in us, the hope of glory. Thank you for that gift, Jesus. Speak to us now. Amen.